Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 37th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. I'm now joined by Josh Graham, host of The Drive from WSJS Sports. Josh, good evening, man. How's it going? It's going good. The fact that I'm talking with you means that college basketball is right around the corner. I've already been to one exhibition, got another later this week. North Carolina going to be in action sometime soon, so it's a good time to be talking hoop. It, it totally is, man. This is uh, this is the best time of year. Um, the World Series just concluded. You got college football in the thick of their season. The NFL getting closer to the playoffs. You got the NBA. You got hockey going on. But when college basketball tips off, that's that's when the real fun begins because it's the most unexpected sport that we have uh, here in the United States. So. Uh, Go ahead and get started. I've been really excited about uh, having you on to talk about the Tar Heels this upcoming season. But before we get to that, um, what were your initial thoughts when Roy Williams announced his retirement back on April Fool's Day uh, earlier this year and then when Carolina announced Hubert Davis as his successor? My first thought was this has to be a joke because it was literally on April Fool's Day when Roy Williams decided to retire. My next thought was that college basketball in this state was never going to be the same again. Mm. Just because that coupled with the news a couple months later that Coach K is going to have one more ride at Duke before passing along the reins to John Shire, I don't think people realize how rare a figure like Roy Williams is, how rare having somebody like that is, and how lucky North Carolina has been to have both Dean Smith and to have Roy Williams, because these Blue Bloods, every now and then they need rescuing too. And Kentucky needed it with John Calipari, and North Carolina needed it when, in a bad way when Roy, the second time he was asked, decided to come back and succeed Matt Doherty. And a few years later, of course, we know the story how they went to a national title and such. As for the Hubert Davis piece of this, John, I... It's just the Carolina way that they were going to hire in family. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much interest guys like Jay Wright or Mark Few might have had in the job, 
but it would have upset so many people that meant so much to college basketball and to North Carolina specifically if they didn't hire in the family. So it came down to Hubert and Wes Miller. Wes, as Roy Williams said when I asked him about Wes back in March before he retired, was going to be the head coach of a big-time program one day and sometime very soon. He was right. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't about North Carolina in that him being the name the head coach at Cincinnati a week after Hubert Davis was introduced. So Hubert, he's the guy, and he's the one that's going to push Carolina basketball into the future. One way or another, after Davis was hired as the head coach, he knew he was going to have to overhaul the roster to meet his vision for the program. And as he said very frequently during the offseason, um, he's got to do the job with his personality. What do you make of the job he did in the transfer portal, landing Dawson Garcia, Brady Manick, and Justin McCoy, that I believe and many believe should allow this team to compete at a high level in his first season as a head coach? I think the, I think it was telling that the day Hubert was announced to be the guy to replace Roy, it was the day of the national title game. It was Gonzaga facing Baylor. ESPN had its college game day crew previewing the game that Hubert used to be a part of. He used to be on that game day crew. So the first interview that Hubert gave before even his press conference happened was to the folks with college game day and ESPN. And, one of the jokes that someone made was Alfonso Ellis on the crew saying, hey, I know you're trying to replace a big man. I, I got some eligibility if you need me. Ha, ha, ha. Hubert made a, made a slight jab saying, can you shoot? We don't want any screeners out there. And I think the recruiting, as much as that was just a throwaway line, kind of reflects that where Brady Manick is going to be one of the best shooting bigs that you find in the ACC. Dawson Garcia, we saw it when Marquette upset North Carolina last year. He's capable, despite being a seven-footer, from hitting it from deep. And Justin McCoy, from what I've been told from preseason practice, he has a bit of a stroke, too. I don't think that's a coincidence. I wouldn't go as far to say that Huber upgraded the post from last year Mm -hmm. because I don't see the first-round draft pick on this team that De'Ron Sharp was last year. And I don't know if I would prefer to have Dawson Garcia even over Walker Kessler, considering the way Kessler came on at the end of the year, plus you having Armando Bacon and the experience of Garrison Brooks. But I do think when Hubert took the job, things looked pretty ominous from a recruiting perspective, and he's done enough with future recruiting and going through the portal this summer to at least give Carolina a fighting chance at being just as good as they were last year or maybe even a little better. So much has been made about the change in philosophy with the transition from the Roy Williams era to Hubert Davis. Should Tar Heel fans be patient for results as Davis implements his philosophy and his vision for Carolina basketball? They should, but they won't. It's North Carolina basketball. Expectations are going to be through the roof, out of control, and anybody who tries to temper them, including myself this offseason, <laughs> they're just going to be dismissed as haters. I've been trying to do this for the last few years when things took a turn for trouble before the 2020 season and even last year 
how difficult it was going to be for some of the freshmen coming in without a real summer and without a ramp up and with not as many games leading up to the conference season, trying to maximize the talent that you have in front of you. This year's team, I, it's not fair to Hubert Davis, in my opinion, to expect him to take a roster that's very similar to last year's in talent and think that it's going to go from being a team that was not ranked in the top 25 to one that's going to compete for an ACC championship. Mm. I don't think that's fair. And to believe that's what this team should be expected to do, I think is disrespectful to Roy Williams, in my opinion, considering he's one of the five greatest coaches ever, and Hubert has not been a head coach at any level yet. It isn't to say he can't be a great coach, but I do think expectations need to be tempered and fans need to be patient. No one wants to hear that. But that's what you need to hear to prepare you for what this season's going to be. As you just mentioned, you, you don't you don't expect Carolina to win the ACC. Carolina was picked to finish third in the ACC. I believe they're going to win the ACC. If that's going to happen, what would it take for Carolina to win a conference championship? If North Carolina to win the ACC? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, you need to have multiple draft picks on this team. And I don't see it. And Caleb Love would have to be a more than a serviceable point guard. Last year, he was one of the least in, least efficient players we've seen in the last 30 years of ACC basketball, or it might have been college basketball as a whole. So, And, and I'm not blaming Caleb Love for that. He, he didn't play point guard when he was in AAU and in high school basketball. He was more of an off-guard, playing a little bit of wing, and you can see it in his explosiveness. They still don't have a true point guard on this team. Mm. And you're talking about a coach that is stepping into this, into a very difficult league as a first-year coach. I I don't know how he's going to be when it comes to developing talent and bringing in new parts and making sure they all fit well. Coaching's not an easy job. If it was, everybody would do it well. So when I saw the third, them finishing third in the ACC, I thought, pah. This is like when they gave Garrison Brooks a year ago the ACC preseason player of the year. Carolina's being overhyped. They're, I don't think they're one of the five best teams in the ACC. I think you're mm. probably looking at six, maybe seven, which means they're going to make the NCAA tournament and maybe win a game in the tournament. And if that were to happen, Carolina fans need to view that as a success because it's going to take a few years for Hubert Davis to get this thing rolling, in my opinion. No program... Uh, emphasized rebounding more than Carolina did under the 18 years that Roy Williams was the head basketball coach of the Tar Heels. As currently constructed, as you mentioned, you lost Dayron Sharp to the NBA, Walker Kessler, Garrison Brooks, and Walker Miller to the transfer portal. You add in perimeter post players. Is Carolina constructed to be a premier rebounding team this season? It's a good question. I think a lot of that will depend on if Hubert wants this team to continue being that premier rebounding team if offensive rebounding percentage will mean as much to him as it did to Roy Williams because just thinking in the most practical of terms if you're wanting many of these bigs to hang out in the corner it's going to make things pretty difficult if some of the shots misses if they want if you want those guys in the post grabbing rebounds and are you planning to have two traditional bigs out there at the same time on the floor I don't know the answer to that that's something that needs to be answered and also if we're going back to expectations, 
it's something that leads to that, too. There are just a lot of questions about what Carolina is going to do. They have the capability. They have the roster to continue being that premier rebounding team. It's up to Hubert Davis to decide what he wants this Tar Heel team to hang its hat on. Every preseason, I usually, when I bring guests on, I ask them, who do they envision taking the next step? You just mentioned the inefficiencies of Caleb Love, which has been highlighted over the summer by by himself, by Hubert Davis, by everyone within the basketball program. Who do you think will take the next step for Carolina this season? I think it's Kerwin Walton because Mm. Kerwin, I I look at these all-ACC preseason polls that are put out there, and I'm looking at it, and I see Armando Baycott's preseason all-ACC, which I think is going to be really tough considering how many really good bigs there are in the ACC. When you look at Malik Williams at Louisville and Paulo Boncaro at Duke and Kebe Aluma at Virginia Tech, I think that's tough. I, I think given what he was last year as a deficient three-point shooter and that he's not going to be the only guy they rely on shooting the ball from three efficiently now, I think it's going to open things up for him, and we're going to see him be the central piece of this Carolina offense moving forward. Now, that, that, that's not to say he'll be the most important player. I think Caleb Love's probably that just because they don't have a lot of playmaking ability and people who can play the point guard the way that Caleb has to play. But in, in terms of taking the next step means that you had to be there last year. So I'll disregard the transfers for a moment and just focus solely on Kerwin who I had on my preseason All-ACC list. We're talking with Josh Graham, host of The Drive and WSJS Sports. You're really going to love what I'm about to tell you. Um, not only did I pre- do I think Carolina's going to win the ACC, I think they'll be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, and I think they're a capable team of making the Final Four because that's what I expect on a year-in, year-out basis – from Carolina basketball. You you talked a little bit earlier about expectations for Hubert Davis in the first season. Tell me what my reasonable expectations need to be entering this basketball season. Well, let me ask you first so I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Like why, why not only are they going to win the ACC with a first-year coach, but they're also going to be a number one seed in the tournament? Well, by default, I think if you win the ACC, and I, when I when I say that, I, I believe the ACC regular season. I don't put the value in the ACC tournament like a lot of other people right. do. I I think in a normal year, now unless it's like crazy, like eleven and nine, twelve and eight, even thirteen and seven, you go fourteen and six or better, you win what is one of the best conferences in in the country. I I think you're you should be defaulted as a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Most years, so I that, that's why I kind of loop those two things together. Um, I'm expecting a big jump from from Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. I do think Armando Baycott's the best player in the ACC. I think Brady Manick's going to add a dimension to which we haven't seen since Luke May was here, but I think we can do it at a heightened level. So that's why I've got such high expectation. I love the staff that Huber Davis put on put uh, on the bench with him. I think Jeff Lebo was an underrated hire. You bring in Pat Sullivan, a guy who spent 18 years in the NBA. Think Sean May is going to be a future star in the business. Like I think there's a lot of reasons to believe there's a there's a pathway to Carolina achieving all these things. I think they're going to achieve. So I need you to talk me down a little bit um, and give me some reasonable expectations heading into the year. I think NCAA tournament win a game in the NCAA tournament. That's where the expectation should be. 
if you're looking at even like a Sweet 16 team, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit too much. I think it's a little too steep. I don't think – I would be stunned if this team won the ACC. It would be stunning to me. And I don't say that lightly because I've lived in the state of North Carolina pretty much my entire life. I've covered this league for a very long time, and I've seen Carolina win this league a handful of times. Obviously, anyone who's been around has seen that. But I'll go back to what I said before. Hubert is a first-year coach. It's not easy to figure these things out. There has never been a coach that made it, that won a national title in his first year as a head coach. There's never even been one. Actually, it's a very short list of coaches that have made it to the Final Four Mm. in their first year. The reason that is, it's really hard to do so to expect that somebody that we have no sample size of what he is as a coach to do things that have seldom been done before and in some cases have never been done before that's too far of an expectation for me or too much i i I don't think it's an insult to say carolina is going to be a team that wins close to 22 25 games and you know, might win a few games in the ACC tournament, make the NCAAs, of course, and win a game in the NCAAs. I think that'd be a win in Hubert Davis's first year as he tries to get this program established and figure out what exactly he wants it to look like under his guidance. We touched on the retirement of Roy Williams. You mentioned that Coach K, of course, will be hanging it up at the end of this season for the Duke Blue Devils. What does the retirement of those two coaches, who if, if Roy Williams is a top five college basketball coach, then Coach Kate's definitely in that same list as well. What do their retirements mean for college sports' uh, best rivalry moving forward? I don't think we're ever going to see in college basketball moving forward coaches who are as noteworthy as popular, as polarizing anymore as those two men were and are. They can say things, and when they say them, they become headlines, particularly Coach K. Mm. Coach K can ask a college kid what what his major is when making an analogy, (laughs) and all of a sudden it becomes a story that Wilbon and Kornheiser are bandying about. And that's because of how noteworthy, how powerful, how, how, how polarizing those figures are. So without those two on the sidelines, it's going to be very strange. Like, consider this, Josh. The last time there was not a Hall of Fame coach on the sideline for a Duke Carolina game, you have to go all the way back to before the ACC existed in the early 1950s. Goodness. That's how far you have to go. When you're talking about Coach McGuire in Chapel Hill and Dean Smith and all the way all the way up to Coach K, Roy Williams, uh, you're talking about 60, 70 years that there's been at least one Hall of Famer on the on the bench for this rivalry. And a year from now, we're going to watch games where neither of them are. It's going to be a coach going into his second season as a head coach and the coach who's taking over in a similar spot that Hubert is in right now. 
I'll follow up because you mentioned you got Hubert Davis at Carolina. You've got John Shire at Duke, who are both former players and assistants of the schools that they attended and played for. With the fact that both schools will have, I guess, alums coaching their programs, does that mean we shouldn't see a dip in excellence between the programs and the and the rivalry as a whole? Maybe in the near term, sure. Mm-hmm. But they shouldn't they shouldn't have problems recruiting. I'll make a football analogy. In college football, we've seen examples of the legend retiring and then the program devolving after the fact. Like I think about maybe not a full devolving, but like, say, Virginia Tech. Frank Beamer passes things along to Justin Puente, and it's very difficult to follow the guy. And Justin Puente is having, obviously, a ton of problems at Virginia Tech. Right. Uh, looking, But there are examples in college football where this has been done right. A transition has done right, and there's been little drop-off. Look at Bobby Bowden passing things along to Jimbo Fisher. You had the same infrastructure in place in Florida State when Jimbo took over that was under Bobby Bowden, and they went on to win a national title with Jameis Winston. Same thing when Bob Stoops decided to pass the reins along to Lincoln Riley, and then immediately after that with the same recruiting coordinator with the with the same strength staff with the same support staff same ad they were aligned they brought in a ton of great players they coached heisman winners in almost three straight seasons they had that thing going on at oklahoma and they still do ranked in the top 10 and the last example in college football gives ryan day yep ryan day takes over for urban meyer same deal as oklahoma it's the same infrastructure in place. I had an ACC head coach tell me this offseason off the record that <laughs> are they still going to have a Duke polo on and a North Carolina polo on when they walk into a gym? Yes. Well, then I think they're going to do fine. Mm. I think they're going to be okay recruiting. And I think John Shire's recruiting has bared that out, even though kids know they're not going to be playing for Coach K a year from now. And we've seen Hubert Davis have a pretty good recruiting summer as well. So they're, they're not going to have any problem bringing in talent. The rivalry is still going to matter because of the history and tradition that surrounds it. But in the near term, you just got to realize that guys like Coach K and Roy Williams, they don't grow on trees. And you might not ever get it back to where they had it when it was at its peak. Few more, Josh, and I'll and I'll get you out of here. Um, one thing that you and I can both agree on is uh, we have shared some displeasures with new ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips in a roundabout uh, way. Uh-huh. What is the future of the ACC on the basketball court under Jim Phillips? I think I'll be fair to Jim Phillips here that I did not agree with him saying at the ACC football kickoff that. Football is good, is the number one priority. We want to be identified as a football conference now, that entire deal. I did not agree with that. It's something that John Swafford would never say. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it speaks progress for you to say something that offends a lot of people that understand how the ACC, what the ACC's roots are, and how they've buttered their bread for decades on end. So I didn't agree with those comments, but I do think there are reasons 
to be concerned about college basketball as a whole. Making sure so we're people who are listening to this podcast, listening to both of our voices, two Joshes here, they're probably huge North Carolina fans, probably live in North Carolina, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we have to recognize, have a little self awareness to know that outside of the month of March, unless you're in Kentucky or in the state of North Carolina and in a few other pockets in the nation, college basketball is largely irrelevant. It's largely irrelevant until you get to the month of March because of the talent issue with the one and done, not as many stars, not as many recognizable coaches anymore. And you have folks like Bob Huggins talking about, hey, what if we break away and have just the major conferences have their own tournament rather than have something associated with the NCAA. Mm -hmm. I'm against that because the March Madness tournament continues to be a moneymaker, and that's what this is about. What we need to figure out how to do before we look at March and look at the tournament and what the future of things are going to be is how we fix the regular season and make the regular season matter more to places outside of Tobacco Road and outside of the Bluegrass State because that is a significant problem right now that needs addressing, and it's something that I know Jim Phillips cares about a lot too. So when you talk about the future of the ACC, it's not really about Jim Phillips so much in my opinion. I think it's more about the future of college basketball as a whole. Last question. It was reported last week that the ACC is seeking to relocate their headquarters, which many believe would be right here in Charlotte. If that happens, is there any chance the ACC tournament ever returns to its rightful home in Greensboro, North Carolina? There's a chance. You look at the ACC, it was born in 1954, I believe, 1954. So you'd be looking at the 75-year anniversary in about five years or so, or around eight years or so. Mm-hmm. So maybe you have a 75-year or a 100-year anniversary, but that's all you'd be talking about, and that's a shame. Just because the folks that make these decisions, man, I'm telling you, it's you, you're talking about greedy, self-interested university presidents that are moving this thing out of Greensboro because they don't like what Greensboro represents. I'm talking about the former Big East schools, and there are more of those than there are former or than, than there are founding members of this league. But if you move the headquarters out, what reason would you have to go back to Greensboro other than like a centennial season or a 75th anniversary? You, you'll have people saying, well, what are people going to do when their basketball team's not playing? Well, are there enough events, enough things to do in Greensboro? Oh, major hub airport. Oh, it's the people that, you know, put their names on the tournament and sponsor it. Will our sponsors be happy because there's no skyboxes in the Coliseum? These are all things that will be bandied about and talked about. And then many of the same people that make the decisions about moving the headquarters out of Greensboro also probably will have a say in where the tournament happens. And where the tournament is taken, and they're going to say, well, how is it fair we have a rotation that has two locations in the state of North Carolina? Why not we just 
cut Greensboro out of it altogether since we don't have any ties there anymore and just have it in Charlotte. So I do believe it's 2023. I don't think will be the last time an ACC tournament comes to Greensboro, but I don't think it's going to be a part of any rotation moving forward. And that for many people, you, me and others that grew up last year this week, it's a bummer. It's disappointing, but that's where we're headed. Yeah. And it's, it's something that, uh, I feel like it, it could be avoided had if Jim Phillips would have embraced when he got the job and every comment he's pretty much said in the public, embrace the history, the tradition, what, what as you said, butters his bread is the, the, the success, the tradition of the basketball teams and this uh, historic and storied basketball conference. Josh, just want to thank you for uh, taking some time. I know you're a busy man um, to come on and talk with me about the Tar Heels. Um, hopefully down the road I'll have you back on when Carolina is winning the ACC and they're yeah. the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. We can agree on a couple things. I did mention that uh, you host a drive um, over there on WSJS Sports. Tell listeners where they can go to check out your work um, in, in sports radio. Yeah, yell at me on Twitter at Josh Graham Radio. If you're listening to this pod, it probably you're already already a pretty passionate Carolina fan, so you might have already yelled at me on social media, and that's fine. I forgive you for it. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. You you have an opinion that you say a team's not as good as they're supposed to be, or that fans want them to be. You, if if I'm wrong, I'm sure they'll let me know about it. But if I'm right, like I've been the last two seasons, <laughs> I got a feeling I'm not going to hear anything about it. About this, I don't think anyone's going to come back to me and talk to that. All right, man. Well, I do appreciate your time, and hopefully, we can do this again uh, down the road. All right, man. Yeah. Thanks so much, Josh. All right, there you go, guys. That was Josh Graham, host of the Drive from WSJS Sports up in the Triad area. Want to thank him again for coming on and talking to me, even though uh, he doesn't agree with me about Carolina as we enter the 2021-22 season that Carolina can win the ACC, that they can be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and make the Final Four. But uh, hopefully we'll have him back on later down the road during the basketball season. We're going to take a quick break. Here's this week's draft from from DraftKings, and I'll come back and wrap up the show. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are getting over to DraftKings Sportsbook and taking advantage of all these great offers we've been giving you since we joined the network back over the summer. We've got more things in store throughout the month of November as we incorporate more sports betting with more sports to bet on. Hopefully you're doing it responsibly, but hope you are taking great advantage of all these great offers. We're gonna, now we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show before we get out of here. Get you guys with the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we'll have you covered with the Wake Forest football game this weekend. Preview pod, preview article. We'll have a recap podcast, a recap article, and a stock report 
article as well. Trench Report has been uh, it's been put on hold for the rest of the football season as we are understaffed as we head into the start of basketball season, which means we got basketball content on the website. Front court preview is up. Backcourt preview is up on the website. We're going to preview and recap the scrimmage this weekend against Elizabeth City State. We'll be getting you ready for Loyola of Maryland next week. All of that great stuff on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast side of things, you can find us on every major podcasting platform, the Four Corners Podcast and the Sister Pod, the Heel Tough Blog Podcast as well. Like both, review both, but we want you guys to subscribe to both. That way you get every great football podcast and every great basketball podcast Right there in your podcast library, if you've noticed, as we've gotten closer to the season, an uptick in more pods. We were doing about one pod a week. Now we're up to two to three a week. That'll be the standard uh, rotation going through the basketball season, previewing games, recapping games, bringing guests on to talk about the Tar Heels, general basketball topics around the Tar Heels. All of that will be on the Four Corners podcast. So make sure you do subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. One last thank you again to Josh Graham of The Drive for joining me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.